is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, way we did it. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday. Got you to the end of the week. Jam-packed show for you guys today. Appreciate you joining me here on A to Z and making A to Z part of your daily sports listen here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Coming up on the show, we have news to get to with the Deshaun Watson suspension or the re-suspension, I should say. We'll discuss that as well. The Falcons get set for their second preseason game with these joint practices with the New York Jets in a major shakeup in college football. All that and more coming up here today on the show. I'd appreciate you guys again joining me here on this Friday. Got to start, of course, with the Atlanta Braves last night as they pull out the victory over the New York Mets, uh, three to two in a very tight, well pitched game on both sides uh, of the ledger. And, you know, the Braves again just continued to show you that they don't quit. They are a team that will keep coming at you from a variety of different angles. And uh, it has been something impressive to watch, you know, and we talked yesterday about how uh, Michael Harris by Jim Bowden of the athletic was labeled the most indispensable player on the Braves. And well, now we understand why, I mean, comes up last night with a huge hit and look, I, I, I gotta be honest. Okay. And if you follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back here because I kind of called it and, and said it was a, a questionable call. Um, the, the Braves got a huge bump and assist last night from Mets manager Buck Showalter. And let's kind of rewind to where things were, okay? It was through six innings. It was a 2-2 game. Max Fried comes out to start the seventh, ends up at 93 pitches. His final line, seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, Six strikeouts, 93 pitches. He gives up the home run uh, to Kana, and, and that was really the only mistake that he made all evening long. He was fantastic. Uh, and on the flip side of the ledger, you're looking at, obviously, Jacob deGrom, who was just mowing people down. I mean, through six innings, he had only thrown 73 pitches in the game, and he looked like he was going to be able to last into the seventh, if not the eighth. He had nine strikeouts. He only gave up five hits and three earned runs. And to that point, you know, I only had four hits and two earned runs. Uh, but here's how it went down in that seventh inning. Uh, he ends up getting the first two guys in the inning rather easily. And then Vaughn Grissom comes to the plate. And Vaughn Grissom um, has an infield single. Just legs it out and boom, there you go. This is when Buck Showalter makes the questionable decision because at that point, DeGrom had had 93 pitches or 95 pitches, was it, one or the other? Uh, and Buck Showalter goes to the mound and goes to get him in favor of Seth Lugo. And I tweeted out at the time last night that this was a dangerous call by Buck Showalter, open to a lot of second guessing. I think the word I used was ballsy. It was a ballsy move. Their best pitcher against the Braves' most 
dangerous hitter. And yes, folks, right now, Michael Harris is the Braves' most dangerous hitter. And people clap back at me. Oh, Harris is great. I don't know if he's the most dangerous hitter. No, he is the most dangerous hitter in that lineup right now, the way he has come through in recent games and recent weeks. And I just basically said Braves have their most dangerous hitter coming up to the plate. I'd let my best pitcher face it. DeGrom did not show signs of fatigue. He did not show signs of slowing down. And he pulls DeGrom. Seth Lugo comes in. And then, boom, it is a base hit. What ended up being, I guess, a double, what they technically counted as a double. And Vaughn Grissom with an incredible base running job, sprinting around the bases, coming home, and boom, it's a 3-2 game. And uh, the, the Braves never look back. So they did exactly what they needed to do in this series, which was take three or four. And let's just look at the big picture for a moment. But first, a word from our friends from betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league. NFL upcoming, obviously Major League Baseball going on, NBA right around the corner, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues. To be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today to use your mobile device and learn more about the action that's happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So the big picture for the Atlanta Braves is right now they are three and a half games back. And how big would it have been to be three and a half versus five and a half? Well, it's huge because again, we talked about this yesterday. Six games is kind of the line of demarcation when you get to two weeks left and you have to make up ground. Six games in two weeks, you need to go over 12, 13 games, like 666, and the other team needs to play like 333, somewhere in that range. So eight and four versus four and eight, and that's how you make up that kind of delta uh, to take over first place. So now they're at three and a half, and they've got three games left against each other. And oh, by the way, the Mets have the easier schedule by far. They play two other teams above 500, the Dodgers and the Brewers, and that's it. Everybody else they play is below 500 and some of the dregs of the league in Colorado and Pittsburgh and everybody else. So the Mets have the easier schedule. The Braves don't have a terribly hard schedule, but – and here's the kick in the pants, by the way, of the uh, delay to the start of the season with the lockout and everything else. The Mets and Braves were slated to finish – the series, the season rather, at Truist Park for the final three games of the year. As it stands, the Braves have three more against Washington. The Mets have three more against the Nationals on the final, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the season, whatever it may be. Um, but you get a real good feeling that those three games at Truist probably going to decide the NL East winner. Who knows? Um, maybe it won't. But, you know, the, the Braves did their job in taking back a mental edge from the Mets and being able to get a game that DeGrom pitched, talked about it yesterday again. I'm, I'm reiterating myself because it's so important for what the Braves were able to pull off. If the Mets win that game, man, they feel like they can't catch us. They can't catch us. But now they got a real shot. And now it's about playing good baseball the rest of the way out, taking care of business, uh, and, and figuring out a way to overtake this thing. Because as I've told you guys repeatedly, if they can't win the division, you almost want to be the third wild card. It's a much easier path through the postseason than what would be in front of them if they don't. So I, 
Cats off to the Braves, man. I, I was super impressed, honestly. And I'll be 100% honest. I did not think they had it in them to win last night. I, I didn't bet on the game. I didn't touch it from that standpoint. But I just did not think that they had enough, uh, enough of it all to be able to, you know, come back and win that game. I give them a ton of credit. That is a well-seasoned team, and they prove why they're going to be an incredibly tough out again in this postseason and why they absolutely will uh, will be a force to be reckoned with as, as defending champs. So uh, they got to get some starting pitching straightened, though. I think that's fair to say after Freed, you know, it's Kyle Wright. May, you know, look, Kyle Wright's been great numbers-wise, but I don't know if he's been as dominant as somebody like Strider. Morton has had great starts, but he hasn't been as consistent as somebody like Freed. Uh, they, they have a lot of questions beyond Max Freed in the rotation, uh, and we'll see how they go. Now, let's not forget, by the way, they start a three-game series with the Houston Astros today. And although they took three or four, guess what? You know, this you're going to turn around and play another super tough opponent. This is a prime letdown spot tonight's game. It really is. The Astros scored 21 runs yesterday. You got to be super, super careful in this spot here um, in reference to being able to stay on a hot streak and, and play well against good teams. Because remember, the knock was coming into this thing that they couldn't beat good teams. As it stands right now, they are 500 against teams above 500 on the year. I think they are now officially 26 and 26. Sounds about right. I think they were 23 and 25 coming in, took three or four. So uh, that's where they are right now against those teams. And it's a great first step for them. But let's see how they bounce back tonight or how they, you know, come back tonight against the Houston Astros. All right, coming up next, um, the Deshaun Watson suspension um, isn't really the biggest problem with what happened yesterday. Some of these people need to learn just to shut up. That's next right here on A to Z on Long Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to ABC here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, we are nearing 3,000 subscribers thanks to you guys. And it's been a really short amount of time to get that many subscribers. Uh, trust me, I know it's not easy to gain them on YouTube. So uh, we appreciate all the support. And you guys checking out all the shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is A to Z. I've hitting hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste, our Braves postcast. And Locked On Falcons, Locked On Hawks, all right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. All right, uh, the Deshaun Watson suspension uh, is now done. Uh, officially done, done. We don't have to deal with this anymore. Thank God. This has dragged out way too long. It's been really annoying um, just from a standpoint of having it hang over our heads as fans of the league and everything else. And, you know, I, I you kind of knew it was going to go down this road once the NFL appealed that he was going to get a, a heftier suspension. It's 11 games, now $5 million fine. Um, and he, he has to undergo mandatory evaluation by behavioral experts uh, following their suggested treatment program. All that is part of his suspension. Um, and Watson's fine and contribution uh, from both the NFL and the Browns of a million dollars each will create a fund to support nonprofit organizations that educate young people on healthy relationships, blah, 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 blah. That's what the NFL statement, uh, what they put in a, you know, announcing the settlement, what they put in a statement. Deshaun Watson also had a statement that he released via the Browns. And I want to read it to you because it's not a bad statement at all. 
Uh, could have been a little bit shorter for my liking, but nonetheless, uh, it's not a bad statement. Quote, I'm grateful the disciplinary process has ended and extremely appreciative of the tremendous support I've received throughout my short time with the Browns organization. I apologize once again for any pain the situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. My focus going forward is working to become the best version of myself on and off the field and supporting my teammates however possible while I'm away from the team. I'm excited about what the future holds for me in Cleveland, close quote. Now, for me, you could have just ended it with, uh, I apologize for any pain the situation has caused. Take accountability for the decisions I made. That would have been fine. And this statement would have been fine. Had Deshaun Watson not gotten up in front of the Cleveland media and ran his damn mouth again. Because here is the problem. Okay. He met with the media and said, quote, I continue to stand on my innocence. Just because, you know, settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is guilty for anything. I feel like a person has the opportunity to stand on innocence and prove that, and we prove that from a legal side, and just to continue to push forward as an individual and as a person, close quote. Hey, dummy, you can't sit there and say, I apologize for the pain that this is causing, I take accountability, and then yell, I stand on my innocence. Like, shut up. Honestly, you didn't need to meet with the media. You got suspended. That's the end of it. You don't owe it. You could send Jimmy Haslam out there. You could send... Uh, uh, the the GM out there, D, what's his name? I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, um, you could you could do oh D Haslam. You could do all those things, and and you would have been fine. But nonetheless, you couldn't resist in sending out your 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 quarterback to make an ass out of himself in front of the media. It's just it's mind numbingly frustrating. This has been handled so poorly by the Browns on so many different levels. Um, and they continue to, to just put this man out there in the public when he doesn't need to speak anymore. I am all for, and I, if I was a Cleveland media person, I'd be ticked off if they didn't put him in front of me. That said, man, if I'm a PR person for the Browns, heck no. He doesn't get to speak anymore. He released a statement, refer to the statement. That's it. That you're well within your rights to do that. Nobody has to like that. Nobody has, but you, you, I don't want to hear in a statement, I apologize and take accountability. And then I'm going to defend the actions that I did as innocent. You can't do both. Either you took accountability and you're sorry, or you're defending what you did. Can't do both. That's the dirty side of what the Cleveland Browns did. The dirty side of what the NFL did here in just a moment. First, a word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. I tell you about them every single day. Why? They're based right here in Atlanta, and they have some of the freshest coffees around because most of their coffees are roasted and shipped on the same day or very close to it. And these are coffees from around the world, guys. I mean, flavored coffees from everywhere, countries you haven't heard of, Tanzania, Kenya, Sumatra. They're fantastic. They have a rainforest flavor that comes from Brazil. I mean, it is off the charts good, and they only roast Current crop, specialty-grade coffees, organic, fair trade, direct trade, flavored blends and espressos, uh, coffees, gourmet teas, gift sets, the whole nine. It's all at Coffee AM. So here's what you do. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today to take a full look at their menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Again, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Make sure you use the promo code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. 
All right, here's where the NFL got dirty. And boy, did they get dirty. It's pretty obvious to see how they settled on 11 games. The NFL has maintained all along they wanted a year, which is 17 games. Judge Sue Robinson gave them six games. Well, the halfway point between six and 17 is either 11 or 12, right? 11 and a half would be the exact midway point. Well, since you can't do a half a game, the they decided, the NFL did, and remember, Peter Harvey, who is the arbiter, uh, has worked for Roger Goodell before, they decided on 11 games instead of 12. Why did they decide on less than half as opposed to more than half? Hmm. Well, let's look at the schedule here. Hmm. What do we got here? 11 games. Hmm. Eligible for reinstatement Monday, November 28th with a bye week in week nine. So that means if I count the 11 games, Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Los Angeles, New England, Baltimore, it's eight, nine, 10, 11, Miami, Buffalo, Tampa Bay. Week 12 is the game against the Houston Texans. Not coincidentally, Deshaun Watson used to play for the Houston Texans. Why did the NFL do that as opposed to making them wait and suspending him 12 games and having him go play Cincinnati? Well, oh, yeah, great TV it makes for to watch Deshaun Watson run out of the tunnel in Houston and get resoundingly booed by his former team and that entire fan base for what he did. Yeah. You think there's not going to be a lot of cameras on that game? You think there's not going to be a lot of people? There might not be women protesting. Of course, the NFL knows eyeballs are going to be all over that game. You don't think that part was calculated? I mean, the NFL does think its audience and its fans are a bunch of complete morons, and they've said that over and over again by their actions. But yet, come on. The, the, the smart ones of us see exactly how this went down and see it exactly for what it is. It was a calculated media move by the NFL. They could have easily done 12 games because they pushed for a year. So why not fall on the heavier side as opposed to the lighter and then come back against Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh to finish out the regular season? Of course they did because the NFL is slimy and dirty and everything they do is slimy and dirty. And everybody who works for the NFL is slimy and dirty. And it's just kind of the way it is at this point in time. We all have to accept it. But yeah. I mean, that was 100% planned by the league. And if you think otherwise, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I would, I would contend that you're not really paying attention to how the league operates. I mean, this whole thing has just been botched over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, and, and I, I, thankfully, again, I, like I said, I'm glad it is over. I'm glad that. Uh, there is a sense of, you know, finality to this that we don't have to talk about anymore. And we at least get a 12-week break uh, from hearing about Deshaun Watson. Oh, by the way, head coach Kevin Stefanski said he's not going to play again this preseason. So, obviously, he'll let Jacoby Brissett take a bulk of the reps and everything else, knowing that he's going to start week one. Deshaun Watson, remember, can't be at the facility, can't work out with the team, can't do any of that stuff. He's got to stay out on his own. So, And the last part, by the way, of the suspension is that Watson has to – undergo mandatory counseling and if he doesn't or they don't like what he is doing is from a counseling standpoint or he's not sort of you know uh meeting the the metrics whatever it is of of the professional evaluations they can actually extend his suspension so it could go beyond 11 games at some point if 
he is not working with the NFL counselors and or whoever they deem to have done it and everything else. So uh, let's just hope that this thing is done for the sake of it being done. All right, coming up next. Uh, how dare you? How dare you? Plus, Falcons getting ready for the New York Jets. That's next right here on ADZ on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube or, and wherever you get your podcast. search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Final segment of A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll get to the Falcons here in just a moment. First, how dare you is part of our shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Of course. It's a Friday version of the Shovel of Wisdom. If you'd like to give one out on your own, go to my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. Use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to CBS and CBS Sports. Yeah. How dare you guys. Uh, listen, man. I get that money rules all. Money walks. Money talks or whatever it is. And you know what walks and everything else. But, man, how dare you. So, CBS, CBS Sports just signed this huge deal with the Big Ten. And the tweet they sent out yesterday sort of broke my heart. The tweet just simply said, hello, Big Ten football. Hit the music. And this was the music. And now, what am I watching here? What am I watching? I'm watching a picture of the horseshoe. Michigan running out onto the field, Nebraska, Rutgers, Maryland. Like, what? A, I'm so confused by this. I'm hearing this music, and all I want to see, Bama, Georgia, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Vandy, everybody, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, bring them all to me, Arkansas. I want to see Indiana. And Maryland? Northwestern? What are we doing here? Wisconsin? You can't do this. You can't give the SEC music to the Big Ten. I don't care how much money you make. You can't do it. Screw you, Iowa. Screw you, Michigan State. Go home, Minnesota. This music belongs in the SEC. That's where it should stay. This is horse you-know-what. Man, I was so insulted by that. You get chills hearing that music. And they took it away from us. Of all the things in this world, we deserve better. Nothing is sacred anymore. Nothing. <sighs> no, in reality, <laughs> the music never actually belonged to the SEC. Believe it or not, if you didn't know this, that music came as part of my childhood. Why? Because that music actually was the music for the intro of the, 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 Super Bowl 21 between the Giants and Broncos. Uh, Lloyd Landsman was the composer. It is a nameless song. And for whatever reason, then the next year they moved it to, to college football. It became the theme of college football. And that was nine years before CBS even started televising, televising SEC games regularly. But somehow it just got attached to the SEC. And that's what we've known it from for the last, you know, 25 years. And they took it away from us. <laughs> I can't even. I'm so brokenhearted. Uh, seismic shift in college football with this, guys. An 
billion dollar media rights deal over the next seven years from the Big Ten with Fox, CBS, and NBC. The richest conference in America just got richer. Um, yeah. And don't think for one second that CBS was kind of ticked. Or even not ticked, but this was just sticking it back to the SEC. I mean, wow. Because the SEC left them to go to ESPN. This is okay. Well, this is us getting back at you. Um, and what is happening here in college football as a seismic shift right now because of these two massive media deals that both the Big Ten and the SEC have, it is really creating a big vacuum or a big gap, I should say, between the SEC and CBS. I mean, between the SEC, rather, and the Big Ten, everybody else. And the problem is, is that I don't think the other conferences can ever truly catch up at this point. They've gotten out to such a head start. They've gotten so far ahead of everybody else that, uh, yeah, I am, I am beyond befuddled of how they're going to catch up. I don't know that they can. The, the, the products have become so superior in those two conferences um, and they have dominated so much that, you know, the, the, there's, no, there's no other way that, that anybody is going to be able to do it. You might get onesies and twosies again at Clemson here and there, maybe a Utah or an Oregon, something like that, or USC could return to prominence. But again, where are they going? The Big Ten. So uh, it's not even going to help anybody else. Onesies and twosies here, they need a consistent run from everybody else, and the rest of these schools are going to be left in the dark. I mean, the scary part is, the only way to truly regulate college football evenly is to break up the SEC and the Big Ten and spread everybody out. And that's never going to happen. Now, the NCAA, as we talked about yesterday, has got a huge fight on their hands um, with the college football playoff and how they maintain all this, if they can maintain all this, if they can even maintain some semblance of control over all this. But it's going to get very, very much a, uh, a a tenuous scenario. Because if the college football playoff folks take over, it may as well be SEC, Big Ten, and everybody else for a very, very long time. All right, let's pivot here to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you, you know what's interesting? As they get set for these, these practices with the Jets, um, and Arthur Smith has in, instituted zero fight policy. Uh, with the team. So uh, a lot of fights going on, but nonetheless, I saw another column in the AJC uh, on Arthur Smith uh, and the tone that he's setting. I got to be honest with you. Um, we need to stop writing these columns. Like no one is saying anything new about Arthur Smith that he hasn't said himself from pretty much day one of this season. I won't count last year because everybody's still finding out who he is. Um, the, the, you know, Arthur Smith has told us repeatedly through his thoughts on tanking um, and preparation and what they're trying to do here and the attitude that they want. Arthur Smith and his coaching staff have all been on the same page about that. And I don't know that we necessarily need to have another column out there about Arthur Smith's mentality and approach to football. We have them all. 
what we really need to see right now is just execution. Because honestly, I would, I would, the next time I get in front of Arthur Smith before the regular season, my question to him will be very simple. Are you tired of answering questions about the mentality, the identity, and everything else of this team? Uh, just isn't it about your play? Isn't that going to explain everything that we need to know? Is that fair to say that your play will tell us everything we need to know about your philosophy and your identity and whether it's working? Seems like the answer to me. 100% seems like the answer to me. Go out there and prove it. Now, I don't know if you can prove it in preseason because it doesn't matter and it doesn't count. And I don't know if you, you can put any stock into what that is and how that goes and, and what it feels like. I mean, honestly, to, to me, I don't know that there necessarily is anything that you can glean from all that. But I'll tell you this much. It's better to look good and win <laughs> than look bad and lose. I know that was like a movie quote, I think, in White Men Can't Jump, but the other way around. Anyway, so just go out there and prove it. Like, I don't, I don't, I get it. We're searching for stuff to write about because there are no really major storylines on a daily basis with this team because there's nothing really exciting going on because at the end of the day, no one really cares about Drew Dahlman and Matt Hennessy fighting for a center spot. Quarterback controversies, that always gets headlined. Center position battles, <laughs> doesn't do anything for you. Oh, who's the starting safety? Yeah, it doesn't do anything for you. Not until the regular season when guys can prove it. So point simply being here that um, Arthur Smith has already told you what the tenor and identity of this team is. The, what's on the field has to match that. If it doesn't, well, then you know he's he's missing his spot. He's swinging missing. If it does, we're on to something. It's really that simple. All right, that'll do it for us here on A to Z on this Friday. Appreciate you guys spending the whole week with us back on Monday for a full show. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. Thanks for making A to Z part of your daily sports listen. Make sure you check out ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste as well. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Back on Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya.